represent the views of Radio Free Brooklyn, its staff, or management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? We're blessed in Jesus' name, right? Amen. And can you believe it? Here we are, one week away from Christmas Day. Right? Next Sunday is Christmas, if I got my days right. Yes, next Sunday is Christmas. And how many of you have plans for the holiday? How many of you are going to be gathering with family and friends to celebrate all of the festivities? Now, I'm going to tell you, 
I'm going to take us back down memory lane for myself because I know during the holidays, everyone wants to think about things that, you know, from Christmas past. We're going to do a little of A Christmas Carol here. So back in the day, right, my family would always, the family's home would always be bustling with the sounds of kids running up and down the stairs, grown folks laughing and talking in the dining room at the table while some of us were on kitchen duty, right? And I remember there was times when I would always look forward to this time of the year, mainly because I would be taking vacation. So to me, it was like the highlight. Ooh, I don't have to go to work. But when I think about it, after my son got older, I would go into work because then that was the most quiet time of the year because everything you in business, things slow down this time of the year. If it's not done by this week, it's not getting done. Trust me, because even though people are in the office, they're not really trying to do too much of anything. But what I would remember the most when I think about this time of the year was the holiday parties. How many of you worked for corporations that would have the li- the lavish, over-the-top holiday parties? I have to say, I have worked for a few companies that would do that. We would be, it would, okay, I'm just going to give you a little glimpse of how the day would go. Everyone knew when the holiday party was coming because the corporation would send out the emails, send out the, they would send us invitations. They would send every employee an invitation to the holiday party. So you knew what day it was. So as you came into your office, your group, your department would have it where, okay, we're doing this, 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 and this. Everything would be on a schedule so that everyone would be able to leave at a decent time to enjoy the festivities. And one thing, they would always start the party They would start the party, say, for the ones that used to get off nine to five, those who had those cushy positions. But for us who worked in like the Fed Funds Department or we were in finances and things like that or operations, you would have to stay later because you were always the ones closing down all the books for the day. So we always got to the party, say, by seven, but they would always start the party at five. So people would get there. But this is the thing. The women would bring their dresses to work with them, the dresses that they wanted to wear to the party, and they would be in the ladies' room, you know, everyone changing, getting dolled up. You would see so many people, and you knew who was having their parties when, because as the week went on, as you were going home, you would see who was dressed up, you know, like going to like some high-end cocktail party. You'd always say, oh, so-and-so's having their party tonight, or so-and-so's having their party tonight, you know? And I, knowing a lot of people in different corporations, I always got to go to other people's parties as well. So I not only did I go to my own, but then my sister, I would go to her party and her parties. Her parties was it was always like you were at a wedding. They would have so many stations. You'd have the carving station. You'd have the the dessert station. You'd have the seafood station. It was just like this one big lavish thing. And that's one thing I really remember when I think back over the holidays of just how much money corporations had. I mean, think about it. They were giving us bonuses. So you got your Christmas bonus, plus you got to go to a party. And here's the, here's the kicker when I think about it also. 
This was before Uber and Lyft. This is when they used to have black car. They had the black cars. Everything when you called up, it was the black cars. Everyone would get a voucher. Everyone that came to the party, you got a voucher. So you came to the party because they had open bar. All night it was open bar. No matter what you wanted to drink, you got it. From champagne to whatever, they were serving it. And they knew that the employees were going to be drinking because even the executives were there and everyone was drinking. You see those movies when they talk about the holiday parties and everybody's losing their mind doing crazy things. It wasn't, I've never gone to any parties like that, but that was just an exaggeration of just how inebriated everybody would be from, you know, just abundance of liquor and food and just everything. But when it was time to go, you would get your coat from the coat station and there would be someone standing there. They would have cars outside because they would start calling the cars as, you know, the people wanted to leave. But they would do it and they would give you a ticket. As soon as you came to the door and you got your coat, you got a voucher. And they would tell you which car to get in because they had certain cars that was going to go into certain boroughs. And you never had to share a car with somebody. If like five of us were going to Brooklyn, they didn't say, okay, five of you get into the car and, and he's just going to drop each one of you off. No. Everybody got their own car. And I could have lived down the block or maybe five blocks away from somebody else. They got their car. I got my car. They wanted to make sure that everyone got into their home safely. So when I think back, I'm like, corporations, they had a lot of money. And they still have a lot of money. They just don't do it with their employees now like that anymore. But that's what I remember the most about holiday time and working. But now... You know, and of course, I remember family and stuff, too. But that's like the thing that sticks out like the most. Those those holiday parties that I used to go to. I mean, like how many of you could actually remember the holiday parties that you went to? A lot of fun, right? When you think back on it. But. Although I can look back and reminisce about my holidays and now having lost several family members and friends, the holidays feel a little different to me. But although they feel different, I can still find comfort from the memories because they'll always be with me. But for some, this time of the year is not so jolly or merry. For some, it brings back raw emotions and deep sadness. And they feel lonely and depressed. So today we're going to discuss how to handle this time of the year when you're feeling any of those emotions. And our topic today is, there is a brighter day ahead. So today, we're going to look at scriptures that when you meditate on them, they will bring you peace and comfort at this time of the year, or any time of the year for that matter, but especially at this time of the year. First and foremost, God said that he would keep us in perfect peace when we keep our minds on him. But how does one keep their mind stayed on the Lord? I'm glad that I asked that question to you, right? We do it by keeping our minds meditating on his word. And this is so important because if we remember the last show that we had, I mentioned 
that there would come a time when we would not have the written word and that we would have to rely upon the word that we had written upon our hearts. So during this holiday season, let us look at what the word says about feeling sad and brokenhearted. And I could tell you a thing or two about having a broken heart. And if you allow yourself to wallow in those feelings, let me tell you, they will stay with you. Because when you think about it, a broken heart is real. It's real. You literally feel as though your heart aches. You could feel it through every part of your body. And it affects everything that you do. So a lot of people who have never had a broken heart, they don't understand that a broken heart is really literally, it's like a pain in your heart. Like somebody's just like, like they just stabbed you and they just keep turning, 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 turning the knife, right? That's what it feels like. And I know that's probably really scripted, but when you've had one, you know exactly what it feels like. It's crippling. It can be really crippling if you allow it to just take over. And the good thing about this time of the year is that because we're celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, even Jesus knows what it's like to have had a broken heart. So when he says that he was touched with all our infirmities, it's the truth. He knows what it feels like to have a broken heart. His heart was broken when he lost his close friend, Lazarus. When Lazarus died, Jesus's heart was so broken. He felt the pain so deeply, even though he knew. Now, just think about it. He knew that he was going to resurrect him. He knew that because he knew that he had to use that as a teaching lesson to prepare them for what he was trying to show them that was going to happen in his life. He knew ahead of time that he was going to have to let Lazarus die. But even in knowing that, it says he wept. So his heart was broken knowing that his friend died. So when you feel like you're all alone in your pain, remember you're not. You have a savior who was touched with everything that you feel. And we're going to go to Psalm 30 and 5. For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Meaning, although the Lord can be displeased with, with how we are conducting our lives, we still receive his favor, and with his favor is life. So, no matter what's making us feel sad at the moment, be it by our own hands, because a lot of the times, sometimes we find ourselves in situation that we've, situations that we've brought on ourselves, but it doesn't mean we're not hurt by it. It doesn't mean that we won't want to cry over it. 
And although we may be crying and it seems like we're crying, there is going to come a time, there is going to come daylight, the morning, when we'll have joy. And how many of you have had a good cry at night? Sometimes that's all you really need. Sometimes rather than just trying to mask what you're feeling and act as though everything is fine, sometimes you do need to just have a good cry. Get it out of your system so that you can move on and move past. But when you keep stuffing it and stuffing it and trying to hide it and trying to conceal it, it finds itself seeping up again. Something's going to trigger it for it to seep up again. But when you just cry and let it out, just let it all out of you, then there's nothing left to seep up. So then you can then, because it's out of you, you can then deal with where you are at the moment. You can deal with where you are right then and there. And it, it brings, it brings a different perspective to whatever it is that you were dealing with. Because once you've let it out, then you can deal with it. And a lot of us keep it stuffed because we don't want to deal with it. But dealing with it is how you get past it and you can get over it. So when people say, oh, get over it, they don't mean like, oh, just forget about it. No, if they're telling you, and most of the time they're saying it is very crass, but to get over it is to really deal with it. Because when you deal with it, you can go past it. You can't go past something if you're standing there holding it. Or you can't go past something if you're staying in one spot, not trying to make a difference in what's happening. If you're moving, trying to get rid of it out of yourself, however you have to deal with it, eventually you can learn to cope with what is happening. But you can't cope with anything until you confront it. You have to recognize that it exists before you can ever deal with it. So, because of your weeping, we go to Psalm 34, 6. We have Psalm 34, 6, and this is a man crying out to the Lord to save him from his troubles. And it reads, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So here we have three scriptures that lets us know that God is always near, especially especially when you're hurting and feeling alone. He's right there by your side, never leaving you. Because it tells us, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So that also lets you know too, that even people that are in Christ, they get broken hearts as well. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. And he can only deliver you out of them when you cry out to him. Because it says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears. He can't hear you if you're not crying out. And that's when I say about, that's when I meant when I said, you have to let it out. Sometimes you just need a good cry. 
no one can hear you if you're keeping everything inside. No one. So no one is able to help you if you're not letting them know that you need help. And Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Jesus invites us to come to him with all our cares and worries, sadness and depression. He states to us, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So even there, Jesus is telling us, come, just come. Let me know what's going on with you. Talk to me. Talk to me. Let me know so I can put your souls at rest. And 1 Peter 5 and 7 tells us, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So cares are like worries. Anything that's giving you anxiety, every, anything that's giving you stress, give it to him. Let him know what's happening. He says he cares for you. He will take it from you. He will carry that burden. And when you really take the time to meditate on his word, there's no way that you can stay sad and depressed. Even though the feelings are real, and I'm not denying those feelings, God never intended for us to stay in pain. That's why he sent his son. Because with Jesus taking on all of our pain, we don't have to carry it. We don't have to carry it. And Isaiah 41 and 10 tells us, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you and my I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God has told us over and over and over how, how he will be there with us. All we have to do is believe in his word. That's like somebody telling you, I'm gonna help you. I'm going to help you in whatever it is that you need. Just let me know what you need. This is someone telling you that. Oh, if you need anything, just call me. Oh, if you need my help with something, just ask me. And you never ask. And you struggle and you're struggling with whatever it is you need help with. You don't know up from down, which way from that way. Wondering. How come nobody's how come nobody doesn't see that I need help? Sometimes people don't see that you need help because everybody's caught up in their own needing of help. Because someone looks like they don't need help doesn't mean that they don't need help. And I kind of I understand when people say reach out, you know, Check on your friends, make sure they're okay. But then I also put some, I also want to put some responsibility on the person that needs the help. If you need the help, reach out. If someone asks you, are you okay? And you're not okay, say you're not okay. You telling them that you're okay 
they go away thinking they're okay, and then they get caught up in whatever they were trying to deal with on their own. So, of course, they're not going to keep checking on you to see if you're okay if they have their own things that they have to check up on to make sure they're okay. And I don't want it to seem like I'm dismissing people who have broken hearts or dismissing people who are sad or depressed. I'm not doing that. What I am doing is I'm saying with each of us, as I've always said, it's an individual walk. Yes, we're here collectively, and yes, we all rely on one another. And yes, what one does, it's a ripple effect on the others. Yes, all that is true. But in the beginning, when we first start, we're all individuals. So we all have to take a little bit of responsibility for our own well-being. So if you're not okay, you might feel a little bad going to someone saying, you know, I'm not okay. I understand that because nobody really wants to go to anyone and says, you know what, I'm not okay. But if someone asks you, are you okay? How are you doing? Answer them truthfully. Don't say I'm doing okay when you're not doing okay. And I know a lot of people feel, a lot of people feel this, oh, they're just asking just to be polite. No, sometimes people are really asking because they really care. But if you're brushing it off like, oh, they're just trying to be polite, then you're actually denying yourself the opportunity to get the care that you may need for that situation you're going through. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm going to just say, okay, let's just say that most of the time people are just asking to be polite. Let's just say that's true. So if I ask you if you're okay and you think I'm just asking to be polite, how about seeing if it's really true or not that I'm really asking because I really care? How about responding the proper way if you're not okay Tell me you're not okay. And that's the only way you're going to know if I was saying it just to be polite or if I really did care. Right? How are you going to know? How do you just automatically dismiss someone and say, oh, they're just saying it to be polite. Oh, they're just saying it to be conversation. Oh, that's just what everyone says. You don't know that. You don't know that. They could really just really, how are you? Because they may be going through something of their own and they can seek out and say, you know what? They can see if I'm going through something, maybe somebody else is going through something as well. Let me just, you know, how are you doing? Or maybe because nobody asked them how they were doing. So they're taking the time to say, let me say, how are you doing to this person? And then in turn, as we're talking to one another I can get to tell them how I'm doing as well. So don't just be so quick to dismiss people when they say, how are you? If you're feeling bad, if you're feeling a little sad, say it. You know, I'm not feeling quite myself today. I I really don't know what it is, but I'm a little down. That will spark a conversation that could help you and possibly help them as well. Because you don't know if God brought them into your life to help you with whatever situation you were going through. The help may not come the way you think the help should come. The help is not going to come like a fire truck rushing down, blaring sirens, honking horns, 
we're here to your rescue. It might not come like that. It might just come with someone standing at a bus stop, standing on the supermarket line, standing on a bank line. And you start talking about, I don't know, how slow the teller is, how slow the cashier is. And then once you start laughing and you're talking with them, and they're like, yeah, you know, how you doing? You know, like, you know, how is, you know, what this is crazy, like what's going on or whatever. And then one thing could lead to another. And before you know it, the conversation has already spiraled to something that hadn't, has nothing to do with the fact that you're standing on that line for so long. It's now come to where you're actually helping each other with the information that you're sharing back and forth with one another. You never know how your comfort is going to be brought to you. So, God has told us over and over how many times that he would be with us and how we could find comfort in his word. And it all comes from reading your word, writing it upon your heart, and meditating on it, and letting him know everything that is going on with you. And with that, I think it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. A lot of us in this house tonight, we're on the Father's wheel right now. And it's not comfortable. It doesn't feel good. But we need to just take solace in the fact that even though it may not feel good right now, as long as I'm in his hands, I know that everything is going to be all right. Just touch somebody, look him in the face, and tell him I'm in his hands. Listen. She sees. She sees a tear. And he shares, he shares your pain inside. And sometimes, sometimes you wonder why he, he allows, allows you, you to go, go through what you go What you go through. Listen. Good place to slip up those hands and give him some praise. Oh, I can't get no help in here. That's a good place to bless him. Listen, listen to the words. See your days. Your days are filled with dark clouds. Even when the sun is up, yes, it is. And from the top of your lungs, you shall. What shall I do? Can I tell you one thing? Remember, just know he has his hands. He has his hands. Yes, he does. 
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And in Op-Ed, we're going to continue with this theme that we've been talking about. There is a brighter day ahead. And I want to keep with that because it is in this time, not just because of the holiday, And that's why I want to stress, too, the holiday is when everybody's starting to feel it because everybody's walking around. And but you'll notice this year, like, well, I haven't been out to the city and I know in the city the tourists are there. So it's always going to feel like holiday around Fifth Avenue with the windows and Rockefeller Center and all that stuff. But if you really walk around and look even in just in your own neighborhood, some of you might notice that not that many people are showing as much, you know, festive like lights and stuff all over like they usually did. And I think, I think it has a lot to do with maybe our thoughts now post pandemic because a lot of people went through a lot of things in the pandemic. We all suffered a lot in the pandemic. It it gave us a sense of knowing who we were. And that's what I want to talk about for this Christmas, Christmas present. We talked about Christmas past when I talked about my past. Now we're in Christmas present. Let us remember, and we always say, remember the reason for the season. Remember, we say this every year, but let's truly remember the reason for the season. We were celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, my Lord and Savior. And yes, we know we don't know the exact date. And yes, we could argue about whether it was in a manger, whether it was in a barn, whether it was in a whatever. What we do know is that he existed. What we do know is that our command after he left was to bring the good news of the gospel to all men everywhere. So knowing that, we don't have to argue about what time of the year he was born, where he was born, 
who brought him what. What we do have to remember is this is a time where we should all be reflecting and remembering the purpose of why he came. Because trust and believe, his second coming is not going to be a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. When he comes back, he's coming back as a full-grown man with a vengeance. And I'm not saying that to scare anyone. I'm not scaring that to bully anybody, but it's the truth. When he comes back, he's coming back to pass judgment because he's like, how many times I left? I was here with you. I taught you. I left you with a book to to follow and with instructions to follow. And now I come back and you still haven't done it. Just think about, think about your parents. When they're in the house with you, they're teaching you, they're telling you, oh, if we go away, you know, when we go to work, we don't want any company in the house. We don't want this. We don't want that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Blah, blah, blah. When they come home and you've done everything opposite of what they said to do, what do you think their reaction is? Just think about it on a scale of one to 10. Just think about your own household. What was the reaction when they came through the door and nothing that they told you to do was done? Well, it's the it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same thing. So you know what he told you to do and not do. That's on you. We all have our own individual instructions as well as our collective instructions. But I want to say for Christmas future, the best way to make your days brighter for Christmas future or just future in general will be with what you begin to do today. Every step that you take in your journey will bring you closer to where you want to be. And yes, we know it's a process and nothing happens overnight. That's what, nothing happens overnight. Think about it. If you're overweight, or if you consider yourself overweight, you didn't go to bed a size 12 and wake up a size 20. Unless you took something, some type of medication that made you swell up. But even if the medication made you swell up, you're going to lose that and go back to what your normal size is. But if you went to bed at 12, you didn't just wake up the next morning a size 20. That's impossible. It happens over time. The reason why it feels like you went to bed a size 12 and woke up a size 20 is because you're now paying attention to the fact that, oh my gosh, I'm a size 20. But if you would have thought or caught that revelation when you were a size 14, you would have said, oh my gosh, I'm a size 14. Or, oh my gosh, I'm a size 16. Or, oh my gosh, I'm a size 18. Look how many sizes you went through before you got to 20 when you were at 12. So, Nothing happens overnight. It's a gradual process. So anything that you want to change, anything that you want to get better in your life, it's going to be a gradual process. But it only starts when you start. You thinking about it, dreaming about it, wishing, hoping doesn't make it start. It starts when you put it into motion. That's what starts the change, you have to put it into motion. 
So, Christmas is next week, right? Christmas is next Sunday. And I'm basing everything around Christmas, but it really doesn't have anything to do with Christmas per se. I'm saying Christmas because we're in the holiday season. But all these things I'm telling you can take place at any time of the year. Any time of the year, you could sit yourself down and just reflect and say, you know what? I'm doing this because this is what I want. Any time of the year. It's just that everybody decides to do it at the end of the year because they figure at the end of the year, they want to try and play catch up for what they should have done all year long. But any day of the year, a change can be made in your life. And it starts with the one step. Do one thing differently. If you feel you're overweight and you want to lose weight, don't put sugar in your coffee. Don't put sugar in your tea. Cut out sugar for a minute. Just cut out sugar. If you drink five sodas a day, drink three. You don't have to go cold turkey with everything because when you go cold turkey, it makes you depressed, it makes you miserable, and then you go back to just doing it and you probably do it double. If you know you're an avid soda drinker, you've got to have a soda. Every time you drink something, it's soda. Substitute one of those sodas for some water. Just one. Try that for a day. I'm not even saying go the whole week. Just see if you could do it for the day. Substituting the one soda for water. And then you extend it and you say, oh, let me try it for another day. And then you try it for another day. And then you try it for another day. And what does that sound like? It sounds like the way when we talked about building habits, right? You do it once and then you do it again and then you do it again. And then before you know it, it becomes, it becomes what you do. It becomes your norm, right? But it all starts with the one action. So nothing's going to happen overnight. So if you're feeling like, oh, I need a, I need a better job. I need to make more money. What you sit and you think about what's going to make you make more money. Hmm. Maybe I need more skills. Oh, in order to get more skills, maybe I have to read more books or maybe I have to take a class or maybe I should think about, you know, learning how to do something else. What, you know, it's just different things, but it all comes from doing it. And even though you're thinking about it, yeah, maybe I need to read a book. That's not going to give you the skills. How about going and getting that book and opening opening the cover and reading it? That's what starts the process. So. I know this op-ed is going long, but I'm going to end op-ed. I'm going to end op-ed here and just say, get ready because the new year is coming and everything that you want to change or everything that you want to happen, you're going to have to make it happen. And that ends op-ed. Our word of this month is still going to be deceptive. Deceptive, you see? Giving the appearance or impression Different from the one that is true. So if your heart is hurting, don't smile and say you're feeling okay. That's being deceptive and misleading. Our promise is going to come from Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. That we can take with us into the new year and into this holiday season. I won't be here for the next two Sundays because next Sunday is Christmas. So whenever all of you are gathering and having all your festivities, I will be doing the same. And on New Year's Day, I won't be here as well because it's the whole holiday season still. I figured I would give myself a little vacation, right? But I want everyone to have a blessed Christmas. Hanukkah starts tonight. Happy Hanukkah to all of those who are celebrating Hanukkah this Sunday. It starts tonight after sundown. Merry Christmas to all of you who are celebrating Christmas. Happy New Year to everyone because New Year's is coming up. Happy Kwanzaa to those who celebrate Kwanzaa as well. To everyone who celebrates anything during this holiday season, starting from now up until past January 1st, blessings to all of you, peace and joy to all of you, safety to all of you. I cover you with the hedge of protection of the Lord. I pray that everyone in your family stays safe, stays healthy, stays blessed. I give you all the blessings of the Lord. That's my prayer to all of you. And until God brings us together again next year, peace. snow from my doorstep I just can't help but stop and grin it's like I'm 10 years old again and everywhere I go I can feel it some say it moves like a spirit it falls on us once a year like it came on a midnight clear it's all love this season is a gift when love came down to let's live let's open up and let our hearts embrace this moment for Christmas this year Before the sunrise, I sneak downstairs to sparkling eyes and oh, what joy it brings to me. The family around our Christmas tree, and I thank the Lord for his favor.